just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator. It's Hogan Johns. It's really cool just to see how much the city of Chicago, you know, the Bears organization, the Bears fans, show love to a family that they barely even know. It is amazing. I love it. From NBC, NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Adam Hogue. There's no ducking anybody in the NFL. It's like the Lions still have NFL players. And from the, from the athletic, it's Adam Adam Johns. You know, hasn't Justin Fields done enough to at least pique your interest to see what he can do yeah. with them too? It's the Adams. That's the best in the city of Chicago. Hogan Johns. The Adams converge. And we are underway. What's up? Welcome in. Hogue and Johns with you. It's a new era, officially. We are into uh, the podcast, second general manager and third head coach. Really? That's it? Yeah. Well, since the podcast started. Well, since the podcast, yes. Yeah. For us, bit. as uh, covering the team, it would be five head coaches and four general managers, right? I wasn't there when... My first year was 2012, so Phil Emery. Phil yeah, okay, Emery so I had the last year, Angelo, and then... So, a lot of turnover, though, is the point there. And uh, here we go again. With Matt and Ryan. With Matt and Ryan. Run it back with Matt and Ryan. Um, <laughs> welcome in. We're going to break it all down. We did have the uh, press conferences yesterday at Hallis Hall. Um, and plenty to react. We heard from Justin Fields, too, which I thought was cool. I like so, that. Yeah, I did, too. Um Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Plenty of stuff up there from yesterday to go back and check out, uh, including links to our columns, some videos, all kinds of good stuff on Twitter. So go back and check that out. Uh, make sure you are reading us. Johnsy's on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogue and Johns. And uh, I'm on NBCSportsChicago.com. We both have uh, content up for you to read there. And uh, make sure you're checking out the YouTube channel. Subscribe there, hit the notification buttons, find out when we go live. Uh, and our friends at Obvious Shirts already have a Take the North shirt for you to go buy. That didn't take long at all. That thing was up like instantaneously. Yeah. So the uh, the quote from um, Ryan, GM Poles Ryan Poles yesterday. What, what did he say exactly? Uh, we're going to take the North and never give it back. And never give it back. Strong Game of Thrones reference. Yeah, I don't know if he was trying to do that, but... Definitely gave that vibe off. Yeah, sure did. Um, And the North could be wide open, depending on what plays out here. Yeah. Talk to Matt Schneiderman about that a little bit. Or Jim Harbaugh could win four straight NFC North titles. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? Even if that happens, I'm not going to be negative about this. Uh, about what? About yesterday. Um, well, I'm not going to overreact. I mean, sure, sure some about things that. So, if Jim Harbaugh is hot. I think you could be negative that the Bears didn't even talk to him. Formally, yes. Um, well, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens first. Formally or not formally, like if he's willing to take a flight to Minnesota um, with... A GM that you so here, also here's what bothers interview. me like about the Jimba Harbaugh stuff. Can I just okay. go on like on a little rant here? Yeah, sure. Like first he's linked to the Bears, and then he's linked to the Raiders. He's a favorite for the Raiders job. This is the job he wants. Mm-hmm. Then there's a Dolphins report, Stephen Ross connections because he's a big donor for for Michigan. Now it's Minnesota. Like it's it's not a really good rant, but I'm just saying like th- there's always something with with Jim Harbaugh in this process and. You almost wonder at some point if did he get fed up? Did he really not have serious interest? But now he sees coaches whom he thinks maybe he's better than getting jobs, and now the competitive juices are going. Like, what's going on, Jim Harbaugh? Like, well, it's, there was, it, yeah, it's a really weird situation. Yeah, There's no question about that. Like, are are you in or are you out? Tell sure. us. Um, can't wait. But forever. I still. I still feel like for the situation the Bears are in, with the connections he has in the organization, um, part of me almost thinks he's doing it out of, out of spite. Oh, maybe. <laughs> and I'm not saying this with any like background information or, or sourced information or whatnot, but 
here the Bears are introducing or hiring their new coach, their new GM. Just introduced them on Monday. And now Jim Harbaugh is headed to Minneapolis where there's Kirk Cousins waiting. I don't know. Now, well, he he's, does have, now he, he's fully in on the NFL? Yeah, he does have connections over the crazy adult for Mensa, though. And, like, so there is something there. Um, the Dolphins yeah, that things, goes back to the 49ers, right? Yeah, yeah. And the Dolphins thing's interesting because, you know, Stephen Ross came out right away and was like, I'm not taking, I'm not going to be the guy that takes Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan. But then the thing that really stuck out to me, though, is if you are such a big donor to Michigan and you love the guy that much, if he is going to leave Michigan and there's nothing you can do about that, wouldn't you want him to come to your team instead of a different team that you compete against elsewhere in the same league? Yeah, go get your guy. Right? So, like, if it gets to the point that he's actually going to leave Michigan, I've always felt like, wouldn't Steven Ross rethink that and be like, ah, oh, well, I better bring him to Miami then? Yeah. I look at it this way. Like, since covering the Bears, there's always, like, a handful of teams that you try to find parallels in situations, right? Like, in, in 2017, like, the 49ers became one of those teams because the Bears and the 49ers swapped picks. Then the Chiefs and Texans were added because of the quarterback selections. This year... You have potentially what's going on in Minneapolis with Jim Harbaugh, but now you have, but you also have the situation in New York with Joe Shane as GM and Brian Dable as their head coach. Like they were candidates for the Bears' jobs, so it's interesting when you try to compare, contrast, and, and figure out if you got the right guy and what situation is going to work well, which ones are going to blow up because you know some of these coaching hires are going to completely blow up. Go down. Well, most of them probably. probably yes, that, that, that's how it happens. And the track, the track record for the Giants and the Bears is not good. Well, and I think it's just that, not. Then that's a good segue back to what we should be talking about, which is the new guys that are here in Chicago, the guys that did sign the contract and they did interview and they did bring in and they did hire. And, and like I, I've sensed a little uh, almost frustration from some fans with what is perceived negativity. I think. I think it's not so much negativity as it's just the media especially, and fan, obviously the fans too, just been down this road so many times. That's it. And, and, and there's nothing splashy about what the Bears ended up doing here. After 23 interviews between the GM and the head coach openings, it's just sort of like this, all right, Let's see what happens this time, you know? And and I think that that's what it should be, to be honest, because we there's there's no reason to just start praising uh the situation and being like it being quite frankly confident that it's going to work. It that's may fair. That's it may fair. there's actually a lot of and we can get into this like there's a lot of things I like about Ryan Poles from yesterday. I I actually do like a lot of the stuff that Matt Eberflus believes in as a coach. But going back to what you were just talking about, Johns, most of the time these things fail. I I, I believe this on Eberflus was hired that the the past connections to the Lovey Smith regime, like that drew George McCaskey in. Yeah. And now I am a firm believer in that. Just everything that Matt Eberflus said, the effort-based system, that, that's the loaf-based grading system that he's talking about. Yep. Rod Marinelli was ma- mentioned. There's just too many parallels. I wouldn't be surprised that. if Rod Marinelli joins the staff. Yeah, either would I. Um, and, and truthfully, I wrote, I wrote this as a column the other day. That's okay. That is okay. The Bears know that works. Bears know that system works. Lovey Smith's Bears weren't the greatest, but they're darn good. Some seasons they look special, especially on defense. They had problems at quarterback, and hopefully that question at quarterback with this regime is answered with Justin Fields, regardless of what happens at offensive coordinator. But I have no problem with them running it back to something they know works. After trying with Mark Tressman, after trying with John Fox, and after trying with Matt Nagy, they know Matt Eberflus's system can work. 
But they still got to get the offense right. Because, as always, yeah, we live that. But if you're right on Justin Fields, if Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are right on Justin Fields, this could work. Well, and that's the thing. And I had a reassuring conversation with somebody yesterday that told me that um, while what you're saying is true, that I think that that connection back to the Lovey Smith days is what probably gives them some comfort in doing what they've done. Um, they also realize that you can't just win that way. Like it's got to, you can win old school football, but you got to do it with these new school players. Cause a lot has changed. A lot has changed. Um, and we're going to, I had a chance to sit down with Matt Eberflus yesterday. We're going to play the interview for you here. But one of the things he went into that I also thought was reassuring in that conversation is I asked him about the ties back to Lovey Smith and Rod Marinelli. And he admitted, like, yeah, this is what I believe in. But he also said, but we're also going to do this, this, and this. Like, it's not going to be of course, yeah. the same thing because that's just not going to work. Um, So you're talking schematically. Yes, I'm talking oh, schematically. I'm not worried about, yeah, schematic. Of, of course it's going to be different. Yes. They're not going to run out cover two, have two deep safeties every single time and have the, their corners play curled flat. It, it's going to be different. I think there was... Obvious examples of that in Indianapolis. I'm talking about the culture. Yeah, and I, and that's another thing. Like, I don't know if all the players are going to buy in. Then get and, out. Well, and that's <laughs> and the thing. That's how it works. Uh, I'll just tease it. I mean, that was addressed in the interview too, and I actually liked Matt Eberflus's answer on that too. All right, so we'll get to that in a second. I was impressed with Ryan Poles. Let me say that. It wasn't just a press conference, but we had little in individual opportunities to sit down with him later. Um, and it's like whatever you threw at him, you could tell why he was so good in his interviews. He has, it's not just that he has an answer for every question. He has like a, you could tell he's thought about it. Like he's had a plan. I could just picture these interviews, whatever the Bears threw at him, he was like, oh, yeah, this is what I believe in. This is what I'm going to do. Like, And it was so matter-of-fact that like he didn't have to give much thought to it. Um, so that backed up what you've heard about the guy when Scott Pioli's going you know, on the radio and talking about him. or Doing the car know, all wash. These, yeah, all, all these people are praising him. I thought he backed that up in many different ways. And he comes off with this very... He has some confidence about him, right? Um... And I don't, yeah, I just, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But I, I think that, that that was that was encouraging. He, so just to give everybody an idea of what happened. So you had that hour long or, I don't know, 70 minute long press conference with the media that, that everybody saw that was broadcast live. Then after that, George McCaskey talked, then Justin Fields talked on the same podium. After that, there were individual interviews where Eberflus and Poles went through the car wash at House Hall. Every station got one-on-ones. There were small groups uh, for interviews with both of them. And I thought in that setting, when the Athletic got to sit down with Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, they were more impressive in those more intimate settings than with everything being broadcast and, you know, 40 eyes on them in the Muggs Auditorium. Ryan Poles was extremely impressive to me, just in terms of him. Like, he has a vision. He knows what he wants this team to be. And I, 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 that, that struck me as important during the, the press conference, but then to hear him go more in-depth about player evaluations, character evaluations, about what he's looking for, what what type of brand of football he wants, what type of brand of football player he wants. Very exact. Very exact. And I came away struck by a young general manager who knows exactly what his team wants to be. And that was a positive for me. Yeah, and I'll give you an example on that. Um, he was specifically talking to us about offensive linemen and how he evaluates them. And, he, like, he went so detailed. Like, he was talking about muscle density. 
like it was just so specific in what he looks for and how guy it's not just like oh cool you can squat you know what whatever you like he has to be built a certain way with the strength in the right places um so that just i think is a specific example of what you're talking about when he when he just seems to have a plan for everything and personality too he gave us this anecdote you can read about this on the athletic um later on about how he, when he looked at the Bears, he did not like seeing Justin Fields not getting helped off the field. Mm. Like, and, and, and how many games did we sit together in the press box and be like, no one's helping Justin Fields out? It started immediately in Cleveland. Remember when I, we were accused of making too big of a deal of that after that Cleveland game? Yeah. And, Remember and when I put that clip out on social media? Yes, I do. Yeah, and, and then I thought about the Jermaine F- Fetty, Tevin Jenkins situation. Finally, you got a guy backing up his quarterback who's had enough. Because as we talked at length on this podcast, teams started taking liberties on Justin Fields. Yeah, within your own division, Tevin Jenkins had enough. Jermaine Fetty had enough of Tevin Jenkins. I mean, something was off, and Ryan Pohl saw it, and he did not like it. That's cool that he talked about that because that, as we talked about on this podcast, that really bothered me when there was that clip in Cleveland. And I didn't even notice live. It was back when I went back and watched the tape and he took that shot and nobody went to help the quarterback. That's old school, like football, like basics. Oh, I mean, that's the kind of stuff we talk about at the high school level. High school level, grade school level, you know, peewee level. Like, that's why it was so insulting. Like even to just a regular football observer, so I'm I'm glad that Ryan Poles talked about that with you guys. All right, um, let's get more here on Matt Eberflus. So I had a chance to you're talking about the car wash. I was part of the car wash on the uh, Eberflus uh, TV side because we aired this on our uh, NBC Sports Chicago football after show last night uh, that I did with Olin Krutz and, and David Kaplan. Um, so I had about you know five minutes here with the new head coach of the Chicago Bears. So Matt Eberflus, new head coach of the Chicago Bears. I'm fascinated with the trend in football in recent years mm-hmm. of focusing on offensive-minded head coaches, pairing them with quarterbacks. Right. And you've been getting inter- interviews now for a few seasons, have been mm-hmm. dealing with that a little bit. Yeah. And here's your opportunity to uh, get some love here as a defensive-minded head coach. Yeah. Well, where do you think that that is still an advantage to be a defensive-minded head coach over what has been a trend in the NFL the last few years? Yeah, I think it's a big advantage because you have a scope of the whole overall team, you know, in terms of special teams, defense, and then offense. How can you help the offense, you know, and give the quarterback a dual education? So how can he learn the offensive system as we build this offensive system around him, but in the same regard, learn what the defense is trying to do to you? coverage-wise, front-wise, pressure-wise, and what are the tells that I can give to the offensive staff, number one, and also give to the quarterback. So you're really learning Spanish and Latin at the same time. That's something that Justin Fields actually pointed out to us today, that the, a defensive-minded head coach can get, get, get in there with you, point out some coverage things that maybe you wouldn't yeah. normally get from just the defensive coordinator right. on the staff. But then he also talked about how the, the offensive coordinator now He's fully invested in the offense. There's really no other op- responsibilities that sure. come with being a head coach. So how does that help, too? Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, you think about the most important position on the field is every player. You know, people always say it's the quarterback, and it is, you know, because he has the ball in his hands. But the, the development of every player is as important. You know, but I think your point is well taken that he can focus – solely on the quarterback and I can focus on the, the whole comp, you know, encompassing the whole team with the, playing the right way. What did you learn about Ryan Poles then in that process? Because look, this is a situation here in Chicago with a young quarterback in Justin Fields where a GM, especially a young GM for the first time could have said, no, I want that offensive minded head coach to pair with the, the young quarterback like right. so many teams have done. So what did you learn about Ryan's approach and being more open-minded to the idea of a defensive Yeah, I think he coach? has great conviction for what he wants the football team to look like, and it was in line with my vision. So it was, it was easy. And I think he said it in the interviews that when you know, you know. And, and he knew. 
and it, it, we hit it off right away. We had that four or five hour meeting together, and it seemed like it was 30 minutes. And it was, uh, it was really good to start that relationship. What is the, you've talked a lot about your hits principle. Yeah. What is the key to getting, especially the veteran uh, players who've been in this league for a while, this is what they do for a living, to right. buy into the type of acronym um, philosophies that you might see at lower levels of football. And you've coached at the college level too. Yeah. 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 I would say that the, the why, education and why. You know, and this is how we're going to go about it. And this is our standards of performance. And we're going to hold people to those standards of performance. And then just give them the facts. And I think they buy into it. And it's not for everybody. Believe me, it's not for everybody. There's been players that, that you know, once in a while, hey, this is not for me. Okay, we can work things out. But it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Okay, but it's going to be worth it. How do you explain the difference between hustle and intensity? Yeah, so the hustle part is actually the, the, the how we're working to the ball or blocking on the backside as a receiver, you know, and how we're doing, a, you know, working down the line, you know, offense lineman going down the field to get an extra block. That's all hustle. Intensity is measured by hitting and physical style. Number one, the physical side of it. And then intensity is also measured by mental focus. You know, are we operating the right way? Do we have, you know, under five mental errors, you know, you know per group, per game? That's pretty good if you can pull that off, as you know, being a coach yourself. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's two things there. So, yeah, that's how you measure them. So I, I've, I've been here long enough that it goes back to the Lovey Smith days. Okay. And when Rod Marinelli, who you talked a little bit about today, is one of your mentors, was also here in Chicago. How do you explain what a loaf is? Because... Isn't that something that you used yeah, to? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there's a few ways. I'll just give you a few of them. So, you know, going full speed, you know, not full speed, you know, is one of them. Getting passed up by another player. So if you get passed, like you, you and I run into the ball, I pass you up. Or you probably pass me up. But yeah. um, that's another one. And that finishing to the pile, not finishing physical at the pile, that's another way we measure it. So, But there's a couple more than that. But it's, uh, it's a big part of what we do. So a couple of those coaches I just named, they, they had a lot of success here defensively. How mm -hmm. much in what is your defensive philosophy goes back to some of that success that fans here in Chicago would would know well be able to relate to yeah a lot of it a lot of it goes back to that we are we're all about upfield pressure defense creating you know negative plays for the offense and then getting takeaways you know we're going to be a zone uh, match and we'll play some man and we did that you know we've done that before but it's going to be all about the takeaways and being physical and then the last thing I have for you is fans try to get to know who Ryan Poles is. It sounds like your relationship goes back a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, a couple years, but really right. it seems like this is, is, you're still getting to know him a little bit too, probably on a more intimate level, if that's fair. What should fans know about what you've learned about him already, a 36-year-old GM doing this for the first yeah, time? Yeah, I would say smart, organized, uh, detailed, um, listens to his instincts, okay, and a really good talent evaluator. John, one thing I liked in there was his admission that not everybody's going to buy in. Like, you have to be aware of that. I think if you're going to... I think some of this criticism of, like, his hits principle is a little overblown. Part of it's because there's been coaches Thank that you. have come, come through here and their acronyms don't even make sense. Um, What's his name? Uh, Tim Beckman. Brock Olivo. Oh, Brock Olivo. Yes. You got that. that? Oh, you, don't, you, you don't have it queued up? Uh, I don't, but if you, if you, if you could stall for 20 seconds, I'll right get now. it. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of examples of this stuff not working. Um, and I totally understand like why we're talking about professional athletes here that you're probably going to get some guys in there rolling their eyes. So as long as you're aware you know of that but, but at, at the same time how often do you hear professional athletes say at least the greatest ones the ones who want to be great they want to be coached hard they want coaches who who are invested in them you know yeah Co coach you know you know what i'm talking about like how often have we heard that on the radio like so if you have a like concerns about this effort based system this hits principle this loaf base system that's going to be installed at Hallisaw. Ask, ask the lovey guys about it. Ask them. There, of course, there's flexibility to, to all certain things, you know. Like, but it worked, and I'll stand by what 
you know, some of the best players that, that we know that are in the media have said that players want to be coached hard. At least the great ones do. Yeah, I um, I I just, and, and that's one thing I keep hearing about that there he is really going to be coaching them hard. You got to get your track shoes on. <laughs> I'm not gonna get mine on. <laughs> no, I, I got a bad knee. <laughs> and you are having problems here. If you're watching on YouTube, Adam Hogue is frantically trying to plug in his iPad. You got it on your no, iPad. No, it's not still? even that. Is that it wasn't even on the iPad, which is a problem. But we're gonna kill it, guys. That's an acronym. <laughs> that is that is the that's, but that's the that start was of Chuck it. Pagano too. Yeah. Yeah, he did have it. Yeah. Oh, you know what? We're just having internet problems. We already had the internet cut out once during this podcast. See, so, you know, this is the uh, technically we, use the we word Oski. Oh, there, there's technically something. we did not because Matt Simon is coming after this. But now you're you're showing everybody how the sausage is made. Matt Simon was interviewed <laughs> for the segment. Yeah, well, I didn't know that the see the problem is my internet cut out during that interview, so I didn't even know that you guys had already discussed that. So. <laughs> I don't even know if our listeners would have known that. So I was just revealing it in advance. You're, we're taking we use behind the word Oski, not just you. because of the word Oski or that it's a battle cry of the University of Illinois, but it also stands for something. That stance that we use that word for is our success equals the knowledge of being, the K, the knowledge of being a great student-athlete on and off the football field, understanding how to be supportive, how to understand to be successful in the classroom. The E no. stands for effort, giving all-out effort in everything you do each and every day. And then the last E stands for energy. Energy, being a positive influence on the people around you, having that belief and that system of as being a teammate, being a brother, the band of brothers. No. Is that Tim Beckman? Yes. Like, how are you even supposed to follow that? <laughs> well, what see, else? Go like, ahead, I'm listening. See, that's why Matt Eberflus's hits philosophy is different. That's an actual word that applies to football. Oski's just made up crap. <laughs> Well, and it also like it, it. It at least makes sense to me when you talk about playing defense. The one thing I did ask him about in there because I was curious, like how he defines the difference between hustle and intensity. But you heard in the interview, like I, I, it made sense to me how he did it. We're going to be simple. We're going to play fast. We're going to play hard. We're going to kill it. Okay, this is a great acronym, you guys. Right? Kill it. Keep it likable and learnable. There it is. Again, though, why do you need an acronym for that? Keep it likable and learnable. Like, I understand an acronym when you're like, this is how we're going to play with these four things. We're going to hustle. We're going to do it intensely. We're going to take the ball away, and we're going to be smart. Quite simple to understand. Like, what is keep it likable and learn? Like, that's so I, I, like, when you first hear that stuff, I understand why people are rolling their eyes, but. I think this is a different situation. I hope it is. Otherwise, philosophy is, is a kill philosophy. Keep it likable and learnable. So that's an acronym for not, you, you know what I'm talking about. Keep it likable and learnable. <laughs> it's like when they start trying to explain it and they can't. You know what I'm talking about. Uh-oh. But Eberflus explained it well. Yeah. He struck me as a guy who's been around a lot of different coaching philosophies, but it's also like red a lot of coaching books. A lot. Like he kept going back to the well for like more coaching stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Like mm -hmm. re-listen to that press conference. Like he keeps going back. He keeps pulling out more like coaching references and coaching, not acronyms, but you know what I'm talking about? Phrasing, coach phrasing, coach speak. And I'm okay with that because he seemed to have more than Matt Nagy at least. That's the impression I got as I'm watching him live from the Muggs Auditorium. Yeah, look, he came off like, you know, the footballiest of all football coaches. But that's okay as long <laughs> as the players buy in. Yeah. 
Like that's, that's okay. okay. He, you know what? That's his job. You know who didn't? Mark Tressman. He did not come off as the footballiest of football coaches. No, he did not. Grow the man was his phrasing. But he loved ball. We know that. Yeah. All right. Um, let's learn more about the offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, who was not involved in the press conferences yesterday, but still an incredibly important hire for Justin Fields. Uh, to do that, we bring in our guy, Matt Schneidman, who covers the Packers for The Athletic. All right, let's bring in our guy, Matt Schneidman here, who we always go to when there's Packer things to discuss. And this is a big one. This is uh, a, a big get see as uh, Kevin Fishbane. Oh, I'm man. not taking credit oh, for that. I'm blaming that no. on Kevin. Why would you want credit for that anyway? <laughs> yeah, you don't want it. That's why I'm passing it off. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so Matt Eberflus has... Sorry, Matt. Has, Sorry. Thanks for coming, Matt, but that was yeah. just... just if you want to leave, you can. <laughs> uh, all right. What do we need to know about Luke Getze? I, actually, I'm going to start with this very more specific question. I'm, why didn't he go to Denver with with Hackett? Just play because calling? He w- yeah, because he wouldn't have been able to call plays there. Um, regardless of if it's a rival, regardless of where else he could have gotten that step up from QB coach slash passing game coordinator to offensive coordinator. Um, Hackett said at his introductory press conference that he's calling the plays in Denver. LaFleur is calling the plays in Green Bay and obviously in Chicago. There's a defensive head coach, so... Um, Getsy will call the plays in Chicago. And as you guys know, that, that ability to call plays is, will do wonders for his resume. I mean, maybe it's unfair for coaches, but when it comes time to be a head coach, and I think that's the path Getsley, Getsy, Getsley, wow, Getsy eventually wants to get to, um, having that play calling experience on your resume is invaluable. So even though it's, it's the rivals to the, Southeast, uh, I think uh, he couldn't pass that up. So the Bears are, are essentially hiring, in terms of offensive minds, the number three guy from the Packers, right? Like just Correct. just in terms of the hierarchy. I mean, and, and I'm sure Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so maybe number four, if if you want to include Rodgers in that conversation. So, um, just based on your experiences with Getzey, whether it's him as a quarterbacks coach or being promoted to pass game coordinator, like what do you? What do you think? Like, what type of scheme? Like, if you want to talk scheme, we could do that. I'm just curious. Just like, what are the Bears getting in the Packers' number four offensive minded guy? I think something that stood out to me, and and more so than anything I can say, it's the testimonies of of the guys he's coached. I remember before the Packers played the Ravens, I believe it was Week 14 this year. We were talking to Devontae Adams and. I asked Devontae Adams about a guy named Keith Williams, who's the Ravens passing game coordinator, uh, was Devontae's position coach at Fresno State, his longtime personal coach. And I asked him, you know, is is Keith the guy that has had the most influence on you? And he started by saying, yeah, of course. But then he said, but one guy I want to shout out is Luke Getze. And I'm like, Luke Getze? You know, Devontae's in his prime now, but Getze's not his position coach. Luke Getze was the Packers wide receivers coach. Back in 2016 and 17, which if you remember, Devontae totally flopped in his first two years in the league in 14 and 15. And when he started getting with Getze in 16 and 17 were when he started really having, you know, his breakout seasons. And Devontae said, I want to give a lot of credit to Luke Getze. He's been an unsung hero in my development. So my point is, it's not just, you know, the the fourth in command you know, the quarterback coach for someone who probably doesn't even need a quarterback coach. It's a guy who understands all aspects of the offense, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, a guy who's going to bring a deep passing game to Chicago. And one, if, if my mentions are correct, Bears fans want Justin Fields to take some more shots downfield. Um, Aaron Rodgers, this is more of the intangible side of it, but Aaron Rodgers was giving us his qualifications for a head coach. And he said, you got to have the ability to command a room and and earn the respect of everyone in that room. And, and that's probably easier said than done. And he said, Getsy and Hackett at the time when he hadn't gotten a job yet, really do that well. So I, I think just Getsy's knowledge of the entire offense, his experience as a receivers coach. Um, he's a Mac winning quarterback himself, quarterback to Akron in 2005 to the Mac championship. 
Now he's a trusted confidant of Aaron Rodgers, not anymore, but um, just a wide breadth of knowledge with the offense. And he's got those intangibles too that you want. But, but that can't be easy just in terms of earning Aaron Rodgers' confidence, earning his right. trust, you know, becoming his confidant, you know, being, being, becoming one of those guys, is it? And that's why I say, you know, what Rodgers and, and Adams say, arguably the two best at what they do on planet Earth, um, probably means more than anything schematically or, or whatever. I mean, Aaron Rodgers gets up there and, and stumps for Getsy every single time he talks about, you know, his development. And, and Aaron Rodgers is a good, he always talks about Tom Clements, his former quarterback coach here in Green Bay. And, and he speaks about Getsy in the same vein. You know, there's nothing really at this point in Aaron Rodgers' career that a coach can tell him that he hasn't already seen a million times. But something about this Packers staff that has helped Rodgers um, is them delegating responsibility. And maybe that I, I don't think that's something he entirely felt at the end of the McCarthy tenure, but uh, something LaFleur Hackett and, and also Getze, it, it's kind of that, that three-headed monster since LaFleur um, really delegates a lot of coaching responsibilities to those two guys. They've, they've given Rodgers freedom and given him, you know, the willpower to kind of do whatever he wants and included him almost as a fourth coach. You should be following Matt Schneidman on Twitter at Matt Schneidman. He does such a great job covering the Packers for the athletic Matt. One of the reasons why this, this hire is so fascinating is, um, you know, there's a lot of optimism, I think, because of where he's coming from and working with Aaron Rodgers. but like schematically, I don't know that we know what to expect. I, like you got, you got his Joe Moorhead connections. You got, uh, obviously what he's learned under LaFleur, and the Shanahan principles there, but obviously the Packers have tweaked so much of that because they have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. So what what do you think we're going to see? And I realize that you might not know the answer, it's just, but I, I, I get the sense that he's just going to come down here and try to build a sort of a new offense, his offense, around Justin Fields. Yeah, if, if we're looking for clues, I think you can look to Nathaniel Hackett's introductory press conference in Denver the other day. Someone asked him... Um, schematically, what, what is this going to look like here? Because the Broncos have been terrible on offense for the past half decade. And, and he's essentially, in, in, I'm paraphrasing here, but said the groundwork of this offense is going to be the outside zone run, and that's going to set up the play-action pass. And, and that's what the Packers' offense pretty much is. They're, they're heavy on outside zone run, and Aaron Rodgers is, is really good at, at play-action pass. And, and you got to have a running game, obviously, to, to set that up, and I think the Bears do have that. And you got to have a quarterback who knows how to sell uh, the play action fake. And, and those are two um, foundational pieces of, of this Packers offense, having that Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, and then having Aaron Rodgers who can, who can really sell anything. And I think that's going to be a huge part of, of what the bears do just looking for clues. Cause obviously Getsy comes from that LaFleur Hackett tree that, that we're starting to see now. So um, a lot of deep passes off that play action. We've seen that a lot from Rodgers. So I don't know. Do you guys, does that entice Bears fans? Is, is that different than what you guys have been seeing the past couple of years? Well, who's catching the ball? Number one. I, I, yeah. <laughs> is Allen Robinson a free agent? He is. He, mm-hmm. he is. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Darnell Mooney is, you know, a QB or QB two. I mean, a wide receiver two, and they need to upgrade at that position. Um, Devontae you know, Adams I, is a free agent. You know, <laughs> I heard saw that report. He's won thirty million a year, something like that. I think so. Yeah. Oh man. Um. So when you look, like, so Hackett's going to Denver, and I know there's that the Rogers rumors and whatnot. I don't know what to believe right now. I don't know what you believe right now, but he's got a quarterback situation to figure out there. Getzi has Justin Fields. Knowing what you know about Getzi, how do you think he feels about Justin Fields, given his want to? or at least the Bears want to, you know, for, for those deep shots. It'll be interesting. You know, I only obviously watched Fields play two games this year. And obviously with young quarterbacks, you, you want them to conquer, you know, the first two sections of the field in front of them before kind of attacking that third one. It's going to be interesting to see how Getzy implements this system in Chicago because um, – especially if Aaron Rodgers leaves, we're really going to start to see how much of this Packers offense, offensive success, I should say, under Matt LaFleur and Hackett and Getze was 
just Rodgers. We're going to see if Rodgers doesn't go to Denver, can Hackett coach an offense without Aaron Rodgers? If Rodgers leaves, can LaFleur coach Jordan Love? And with Getze in Chicago, since I'm pretty sure Rodgers isn't going to Chicago, can Getze help develop a quarterback that's not Aaron Rodgers? Like, will he emphasize those deep shots a lot? even though he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers, or, or is he going to cater more to, to field skill set, you know, get some stuff uh, where he moves the pocket more. The Packers don't really have much where, you know, they, they have plays where they, they move the pocket by design because that's not Rodgers. It's more, you know, he, he improvises. And when he is outside the pocket, it, it's not planned. Um, Justin Fields is obviously a guy that you want to move the pocket for, especially, considering the Bears offensive line situation, you don't just want to have them stand back there like they did for Rogers. So as much as we, we want to like read into what Hackett says and what the Packers did, I think because of who he has at quarterback, because of who else the Bears have on the offensive line and at receiver, I don't know how much of, of that Packers LaFleur Hackett influence we'll see on Getzy. And, th- and that's going to be fascinating to see is how much of kind of Getzy's own spin on things we see in Chicago. All right, let's go back to Devontae Adams for a second. Are, are they going to franchise tag him? Can they? Because I know the cap situation is not great. Yeah, they can. Um, and it seems like they're going to, um, if reports are accurate. Um, it doesn't seem... Uh, uh, the last I heard was a, a while ago about this situation when they had obviously broken off extension talks right before training camp. Because uh, Frank Bauer, his agent, and Devontae Adams both wanted Adams to be the highest paid wide receiver in NFL history in terms of average annual value. Now, DeAndre Hopkins isn't making $28 million a year right now, but the way the Texans and and Cardinals kind of combined to do his contract, um, his average annual value was 27 and a quarter million. So the Packers did not want to make Devontae Adams a 27 and a half million per year wide receiver. At least that's what Brian Gutekunst said. But then I asked Brian Gutekunst during training camp uh, about it. And he said, he thinks Devonte does deserve to be the highest paid wide receiver in the league. So I said, so you two have two different definitions of what highest paid means. So what's your definition? And he declined to answer that. So my guess would be they franchise tag him. I am still sticking by my prediction that they tag and trade Adams to Denver and trade Rogers to Denver. And they both go play for Hackett wow. and possibly Justin Outen, who is Packers tight ends coach, who, who looks like he's going to be going to Denver as the offensive coordinator who doesn't call plays. Um, and my reasoning for that is yes, Aaron Rodgers gives the, the Packers the best chance to win. Yes. They can get Rogers and Adams both still on the team and Devondre Campbell while forming a Super Bowl contender around them and complying with the cap. But I have to think there's this sense around Green Bay of, yes, we're, we're tight against the cap. And no matter how good Aaron Rodgers plays in the regular season, it, it may not just work. It may just not work out in playoffs. We've seen that the last two years, whether that's because of how Rodgers plays, how defense plays, how special teams plays. It's been a combination of all those for their last two playoff exits. And it might just be time to start fresh. And I'm interested to hear what, and this is the last thing I'll say, I know I'm rambling, but Last offseason, Brian Gutekunst was steadfast in his insistence that he was not trading Aaron Rodgers. We have not talked to him yet this season. Um, his, his postseason press conference, normally a week after, he's at the Senior Bowl. So hopefully we'll talk to him this week or next. I'm interested to see what he says about his willingness to trade Rodgers this season because I know there were the reports in the offseason about if Rodgers wants to be traded this offseason, the Packers will help facilitate that. That was part of the terms of him coming back. But then Rodgers said at that long press conference he gave on uh, when training camp started that he doesn't have control over, over what happens, over where he goes. So I don't know if it'll be a mutual parting of ways, whether the Packers will trade him away. But I think regardless, this ultimately ends at Rodgers and Adams being a package deal to Denver and what the Packers would get in return three first, two seconds and Jerry Judy, maybe it is, is a possibility. So it'll be fascinating. I mean, you ask for ownership stakes. <laughs> there's, there's so much to, to be involved with that. That'd be such a, I don't know if you can even, you know, articulate what that would mean in, in the NFC North where you have, you know, regime changes, 
Mm-hmm. One, you just had it in, in in Detroit. You have it this year with Minnesota and the Bears. And what that would do in terms of Rodgers leaving... Well, the Lions would be North, the most yeah. stable team in the division. Yeah, the Dan Campbell leaves. is... That's is, amazing. <laughs> but <laughs> where I was going with that Adam stuff yeah. is because like you bring up that Getze connection to Devontae. Right. Uh, that's, you, when you say tag and trade, that makes a lot of sense to me because... I can't imagine they would want him to go sign with the Bears if he has that connection with Getze. And the Bears have more cap space this year. They have Allen Robinson coming out of contract and off the books. So, I mean, that would make a lot of sense to me. And if I'm the Packers, I would do what I can to avoid that happening. Yeah, uh, Albert Breer brought up an interesting point when he was on the Dan Patrick show yesterday. Um, Devontae Adams can, you know, play hardball with the Packers in order for them to tag and trade him, he has to sign that franchise tag. He can just not sign it and then go to free agency. But um, you risk, and would you want to give the Packers back You know something in return for not extending you? I don't think that would be a problem. And yes, Devontae Adams probably wants to hit the open market. But then again, you could have an agreement in place, even if you're traded, that your new team would give you an extension right when you get traded. And the Broncos have plenty of cap space. Um, That's what happened with Khalil Mack, by the way. Exactly. exactly what happened with Khalil Mack. Exactly. Um, And I was covering the Raiders at the time. I remember that. And that trade broke at like 5 a.m. Pacific time. So I wasn't even up for that for like the next hour. Um, I'll be interested to see how much of Devontae's process is just following the money, as he should because he's earned it, or how much of it is following a quarterback that can help him solidify uh, that Hall of Fame resume that he's kind of built over the last half decade. If the Bears offer him the most money, and let's say the Broncos say, we'll extend you, but for maybe a million or two less per year, but you can play with Aaron Rodgers in Denver, what's he going to do? My guess would be he goes to Denver. Because I don't, I don't know... I'm sure. I, look, look. I think Justin Fields is going to be a really good quarterback in this league. But will Devontae Adams put his, you know, year age thirty, age thirty one years, kind of maybe the last couple of years of his prime, in the hands of a quarterback who is not yet proven in this league? I, I think that'll be interesting to see. Definitely, definitely something to watch, though. I've seen the Bears photoshops with Devontae Adams. I don't think it happens, but it's a possibility. So, are you committed to the idea then that they're a package deal. Rodgers and Adams, like wherever they go, they're going together. Is that something that you strongly believe? Or do you, do you see a situation where they split? They seem pretty in line with things, you know, from their last dance message to even, you know, every interaction I see uh, on TV. Yeah. I think there are two realistic possibilities and that's, they both get traded to Denver or they both stay in green Bay. Now, of course, there's a possibility that I, if Rogers stays in green Bay, Adams is staying in green Bay, but if Rogers goes to Denver or somewhere else, I think there's a possibility Devonte goes to Vegas to play with Derek Carr, who threw him 24 touchdowns in one season at Fresno state. They're best friends. Um, they've both talked about how great it would be to play together again. That's the only possibility I could see where Rodgers and Adams aren't together next season, where Rodgers goes somewhere else, and then Adams signs with Vegas in in free agency, if he gets there. All right, Matt, one last question for you, because we've talked about this at length. I don't know if you know this, but at length on this podcast. We, uh, on the Hogan Johns podcast, are full believers that Jordan Love sucks. Tell Tell us differently. What would the Packers look like with Jordan Love if... Rodgers is gone. Adams is gone. Like, like, who are the Green Bay Packers then with Jordan Love? I can't sit here and tell you that he doesn't stink. Now, uh, I'll add this as a caveat. I, I don't think it's entirely fair to judge what he'll become off of, you know, some brisk preseason action. Didn't have his rookie preseason because of COVID. And then he got injured this preseason, missed about a game and a half. Um, if I remember correctly, and then was thrust into the starting lineup when Rodgers tested positive for COVID and went in and had to go into Arrowhead of all places, and he played terribly. Um, 
and then played the second half against Detroit, didn't play too well either. And his, his 62 yard touchdown pass came on a tight end screen. So, um, is he good in practice? I don't know. We get to watch 20 minutes and they're throwing routes on air. The Packers, at least publicly, have not given any indication about where he is. Rodgers, at this point in his career, was nothing special either, and we've seen what he's become. But nothing I've seen from Jordan Love yet has given me any indication, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, that he can take the reins over of this franchise. Now, professionally, would I say he sucks? I don't know if I'd go there yet. I'd just say I haven't seen anything special from him yet or anything to instill confidence in the fan base that he can at least make this team a Super Bowl contender. Listen, we, we saw what just happened with the 49ers. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is any good. Teams can contend for Super Bowls with really good running games and really good defenses. And if the Packers trade Rodgers, they can build a team that has a mediocre quarterback if Jordan Love becomes that with a really good running game with Jones and Dylan and a really good defense. So they can still contend and they can still be the NFC North favorites with Jordan Love. I just don't think he's there yet. And I know bears and lions and Vikings fans are salivating about that. And rightfully so, because Jordan Love has shown us nothing uh, to have confidence about him yet. Well, if you're telling bears fans, they can have a division where it's where their choice of quarterbacks is Jared Goff, Jordan Love, Kirk Cousins, my guy, Kirk Cousins, or Justin Fields. I think Chicago would sign up for that, Matt. <laughs> I think they would, as they should. <laughs> yes. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, we lost Hogue. Apparently, he has an internet outage that just you know conveniently happened in the middle of our interview. But thank you, as always, my friend. We'll see you in Indianapolis. Yes, sir. All right. Well, be sure to follow Matt on Twitter and check out his Packers stuff on the athletic.com coast. If that Packers stuff that he predicted happens, um, I don't think anybody's going to be more red than you, my friend. Appreciate it. Well, welcome back, Adam. Yeah, I'm back. You're back. Um, you missed the Jordan Love conversation. I know you're disappointed about that. My guy, Jordan Love. Our guy. So did my internet really cut out or did I just ghost you guys during the Jordan Love discussion? <laughs> Maybe. You'll never know. You were gone for like 20 minutes. <laughs> Again, That's we're showing everybody before. how the podcast is made today. That was crazy. Um, All right. Well, good stuff there, I thought, though, on the Packers. Like this this situation, it, it, there's these two teams are going to be linked throughout this Fluid. offseason. Fluid. Fluid. Yes. Absolutely. What a prediction by Schneidman, too. Adams yeah, I, and Rodgers. I, I was not expecting that. I, I thought we were going to talk a lot about Getsy, and then, you know, by the end of it, you know, Matt Schneiderman's predicting the complete implosion of NFC North. <laughs> Remember when the Broncos could have drafted Justin Fields? That was good times. Come on, John. Now wait. All right. Uh, well, we need to get out of here. We got to go talk to Frank Reich. Talking to Chicago media today about so uh, we'll have more on that Thursday. We'll be back Thursday. Plenty more to cover this week. Hogan Johns, appreciate everybody listening, viewing, however you're doing that. Check us out on YouTube if you're not watching. Follow us on Twitter. Read us. Thank you so much. We will talk to you on Thursday. See ya. The Packers, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, Gold Bears.